coming at you live in front of a studio audience. It is Extra Reverb. Oh, you suck. My name is World Famous Secret. My name is Austin. Uh, my name is Chicka Chicka World Famous Secret. <laughs> That's going in. <laughs> All right. I'm once again here with Jacob, a.k.a. Lucid Domino, <clears throat> and Coker, a.k.a. Sweet Tuesday. Oh, yeah. It's still so weird to refer to him by that name since he also has the artist name of Coker. I prefer name. Coker0414. That was my favorite iteration. That's, yeah. that's my Twitter name. Or 15, Word. sorry. Get it right. Just dumb. <laughs> and it's like, here it's, like, it's like Blink-182, but their Twitter handle is Blink-183. Oh, no, Blink, it would be Blink-181. <laughs> Oh yeah, true. I'd be one eighty one in this case. 81. Sorry, it's like Green Day's handle is very... Blue Night. Sorry, that's the last one. <laughs> <laughs> Today we got a very special episode because we've got a very special guest. He is a producer from Pennsylvania who just released a beat tape known as the Beanie Boy Beat Tape. If you guys like um, lo-fi type beats, then you'll enjoy listening to that. Before we get into the episode, just want to say there'll be a link to that in the description. So be sure to go and check that out and enjoy it. I know I did. And here he is today. His name is Spastic. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much um, for putting that link in the description. I appreciate you. Thank you guys for having me. Bailey. A.K.A. Bailey. Yeah. You could be a permanent member if you want. (laughs) I mean. Jacob's out here giving Yeah, Jacob's always looking for someone to replace me. Oh, (laughs) dang. You see, man, gotta let the family eat. Hey man, you, you wait till you get to know Coker. I have a blocked oh. on Twitter. Oh wow! Wait, do you still have it? Wow. No, but I unblocked him like a week ago. <laughs> He's been blocked like a month because I forgot. I could never. Yeah. Oh, Jacob, he'll do anything for that joke. But anyways, um, so we're gonna be asking Spastic a few questions. I guess I'll start off by saying like. What you got right now? Like, what are you talking into? What gear? Um, right now, I'm just talking into a Sennheiser dynamic mic, and it's run into a Focusrite 2i4, and I have a pair of AKG K240 studio monitor headphones with um, a pair of Rocket R5 studio monitors into a Apple MacBook Pro recording into Ableton Live 10. Nice. We got the full tour. Heck yeah. I know somebody else that has K240s. Yes, they're some of my favorite headphones I've ever like worn in my entire life. So I mean, he's right here. I highly recommend. I, <clears throat> I also have a mm-hmm. pair of them. Uh, I, yeah. I was rocking them for a while, but then I, mm-hmm. I found my uh, Sennheiser uh, 240 Pros, I believe they're called. Ooh, those are nice uh, headphones. Yeah, dude, I found them at a pawn shop. Although I think I, I think they were selling for like 100 bucks. I may have gotten ripped off because that's how much they are new, if I'm not mistaken. But oh, uh, after replacing the the headband, uh, you know, rubber thing, because you know it's mm-hmm. like all ripped up. You know, it's fine pair of headphones. You know, I I use them all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I Sennheiser makes great headphones, and like same with AKG. I just I really like AKG's like studio equipment. Yeah, so, if you need you open know. back headphones, they're the way to go. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. So yeah. So. Uh, you're using Ableton Live right now. Yes. I know you also have FL Studio. Yes. So I wanted to ask you a few questions about those. Like how long have you been using each one? All right. So um, 
Ableton. Um, it's kind of been like a love hate relationship with Ableton for like the past two, almost three years now. Um, I actually started making uh, all of like my original, like my first music when I was like 12, so like, like 12, 13 ish um, on machine it, because it came with my uh, machine MK2 beat pad. And um, so my friend Jaden for my birthday, uh, it was like my 15th. Yeah, my 15th birthday. He was like, yo, I got you this. And I was like, oh, what is it? And then it was like FL Studio 11. And um, I never upgraded it. So I was like always on FL 11 for like up until now where I recently upgraded to FL 20. Um, But like throughout that time from like 2015 to 20. 17 i dabbled with ableton and it was like ableton 9 at the time so um like it's always been back and forth but then uh the start of this year really or well 2019 i just kind of switched to ableton cold turkey because i was bored and so that's basically what i've been mainly using but i've recently started to get back into fl studio for um working on music for like other artists very nice. FL20 yes. is already a thing? Yeah, FL20. I can't believe it. They're already It went from 20. FL12 to uh, FL20. Oh, I was going to yeah. say. Okay, cool. Yeah. Jacob started on FL as well. I love yes, it. When he started getting serious. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly what it was with me too. I like I, I dabbled in music with like machine just like to mess around. And I was like, yeah, I could actually do this. And then like my friend Jaden from back home who goes by a uh, 27 club. Um, he was like, yeah, no, like this, if you're serious about this, this is like what to use. And I highly recommend it. And ever since then it was just like, go, like I just started using it and ran with it. So what's your percentage of using Ableton versus using FL? Um, it really just depends on what I'm working on. Um, mainly when I'm working on lo-fi or anything that requires me to like, not even sample more so just have more fleshed out ideas and more like creative flow and like freedom. I use Ableton. So it's probably like 75, 70 to 30%. Like, so like 70% Ableton, 30% FL studio. And then like FL studios, like if I'm making beats for like, artists I work with um oh wait yeah no if I'm like I'm using FL Studio when I start to make like beats for artists I work with so yeah it's like 70 30 so did you do like most of the Beanie Boy beat tape on Uh, Ableton uh I think everything but I want to say four songs were all done on Ableton the other four were from FL Studio on my old computer from Pittsburgh back home. And like they were just ideas, but I brought them into Ableton and fleshed them out and got them all structured and everything. So it was kind of like the entire thing was made on Ableton. Gotcha. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So the three of us all favor different kinds of DAWs or different DAWs mainly like I'm a big champion of PreSonus Studio One. Mm-hmm. Jacob has been using Reason for the longest time, and Coker's only experience is on Logic. He has okay. really worked hard at mastering Logic, and that's the only one he's ever used. Yeah, but I know you've also used Logic. Yes. So, would you say, like, for anyone who has never owned a DAW and just trying to figure out like what DAW they should get, 
What are the biggest strengths and weaknesses of FL, Ableton, and Logic? Um, all right, this is going to be, hmm, this is, this is a good question. So um, personally, I think if you want to start like working with audio slash music, I would go with Ableton only for the sole fact of like how quick it is to learn. Like it looks like a beast when you first open it up on your computer, but um, there's tutorials all over YouTube um, and even on Ableton's website that like I used when I first started using Ableton and like without those I wouldn't even be able to touch Ableton now because I would just be sick of it and um I mean the only con I have for Ableton is the price of it it's very expensive if you want to get like the best version it's like $980 I think um, yeah, I'm not sure if they have a subscription plan you could use or you could like go through. Um, but if you're looking, you guys know about that. If they have a subscription plan, yeah, I was gonna say, is there a subscription plan for Ableton? Uh, I don't know. I yeah, I was gonna say I don't know if there is. If not, they should kind of in- put that into place so more people can buy their product because it's a beautiful, beautiful creature. Um. I think a major pro when it comes to FL Studio is the workflow is also super fast. And like, it's definitely, if you want to start making music, like whether it be beats or like, yeah, I would say more so beats. Um, FL Studio is like a very good bang for your buck. Um, The producer version is only like $200, I think. I mean, $200 is a lot of money, but like compared to Ableton. Logic is. Exactly. Yeah. Logic's also $200. Um, but like FL studio, it lacks like good audio recording. Um, so like if you want to like record live audio into it, it tends to struggle with latency. Um, so like that's the biggest downfall of it. So I don't really prefer recording audio into FL studio, but if you want to like make beats or just like get small ideas down, it's very useful in the sense that you can uh, get your like open the piano roll get your chords down get a basic drum pattern down and then you can bounce the stems and then put them into say like Ableton if you run Ableton and FL Studio like I do um, yeah. so yeah and then regarding Logic I mean I'm not the biggest fan of it I just it's kind of completely like the complete opposite of Ableton for me it's like it's just a foreign language to me at this point. But at the same time, if you if you get a MacBook, it's only like an extra $200 to f- put Logic on the computer if you want to get into audio. And I mean, right. the MacBooks, audio drivers, and like the base stuff that Logic comes with is huge. Like it's like, I never would have expected like a program to have such good like stock library sounds and stock library plugins. So, I mean, they're all great DAWs, don't get me wrong. It's just like Logic is like completely backwards compared to Ableton for me. So it's like, it's harder for me to get into yeah. it. So, yeah. Yeah. When I was 13 or 14, I started off just playing around on my grandma's MacBook, which mm-hmm. had GarageBand. So Logic being like the extended version of GarageBand made it pretty easy to 
figure that out. Yeah. And that's, I feel like you have to start off with GarageBand if you want to get like a good idea of logic before you start. Because like a lot of if the if you've ground, never used a DAW yeah. before, a lot of yeah. yeah, a lot of the groundwork that's in GarageBand is re- reused in Logic. So I could definitely see why if you didn't start off with GarageBand or Logic, you would not have a hard time getting around Logic. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And like I know people who still use GarageBand to this day that are making like beautiful, beautiful pieces oh, yeah. of music, and it's like it's crazy to me to like see that because it's like that's like it's free. So, like, it's just cool to see it, though. I can't lie. It's very cool to see, like, someone just, like, flesh out a beautiful idea in GarageBand. I remember a few years ago when, uh, you know, I haven't used GarageBand in a long time, a few years ago, and uh, I I was using, I think, my uncle's iPad, and I was like, oh, GarageBand's on it. I went to check it out. I was just, you know, at this point, I was making music for a little bit. I was like, wow, you could do a lot with this, and it's just on the iPad. When I found out you can automate volume, I almost... I don't, yeah, I'm trying to be appropriate, but I almost was like, what? I was like, what? Yeah, no. It's <laughs> so I thought it was pretty cool. I think yeah. it's, I think it's funny how Logic's almost the exact opposite, but like with standards in the like the music industry compared to like Final Cut Pro, because like I've talked with like people who are editors, mm-hmm. and they all say Final Cut Pro is like never used in the actual like editing industry. Oh, see, that's crazy that you say that like, because my high school teacher, I went to a performing arts high school and like my, my, uh, my film teacher swore by Final Cut. He did not like Premiere at all. He, that's like really? all he touched. He hated it. <laughs> yeah. And I think that that's crazy because like I, like I said, um, a lot of editors will tell you that, uh, Final Cut Pro is never used really in the actual editing industry mm-hmm. and like, but it's the opposite with logic because like. Logic's one of the most used in studios. It's not the oh, most used. Obviously, yeah. Pro Tools is the most used, but it's close to that, you know? Yeah, it is used a lot. That's true, yeah. And, I mean, even then, Pro Tools is starting to, like, get outdated because, like, they're just kind of lacking on updating and improving stuff that users have been harping at them about for, I don't know how long, but like, and it's like, I'm starting to see more studios use Logic and Ableton, which is crazy to me. Yeah, in the Not last episode, I had a whole tangent on how much I hate Pro Tools and that I hated yeah. those industry standards. I like so. Pro Tools because, like, I mean, <clears throat> I learned it my freshman year of high school and like right. worked with it for four years in a studio. So, um, I mean, it's like I know how to use it. So I think that's why it's easy for me to use it now. But like yeah. when I started learning it, it was the worst thing in the entire <laughs> world. Yeah. Uh, no matter what the program and how notoriously bad it is, if you're comfortable with it, it's probably going to be your favorite. You know, it's just kind of how it goes. Not necessarily yeah, your favorite, exactly, but you're going exactly. fa- to like, like how it, you know? everyone else. Like how everyone else thinks it's bad. Like I, mean, I like Sony Vegas, it, even though it's garbage and it's always crashing. <laughs> uh-huh. It's like Pro yes. Tools of editing softwares. It literally is exactly. Uh, I wanted. Anyways. I wanted to ask Spastic. Um, this is a question I had to ask. So, what got you into like making beats? Was there other genres that you were you tried to get into before that, oh, or yes, was it just absolutely. like you've always done that stuff? All right. So, I mean, since like like when I was a child, like three maybe even like two there was like always music in my household just because like my mom and dad always had the radio on and like i think the earliest like song i remember was 
I want to say it was a Bruce Springsteen song or Kiss. I can't remember off the top of my head. But um, what do you call it? So like as a, like growing up, there was always music in my household and like there was always music on in the car when I would go to like school or like an after school thing like that my parents were driving me to. And um, so I think it was around when I was 12, I'd like listened to a lot of Martin Garrix because like I don't know how I found him. Um, it was probably because animals was like really popular on vine at the time. And, um, so I was like, Oh yeah, this is cool. I could do this if I wanted to. So I was like, yeah, you know, I would just like tap little like drum beats, like on my desk in the middle of class. And like my teachers would yell at me because I was being annoying. So I was like, Oh, sorry. And then like, it got to the point. It was like, I, I turned 13 and I was like, for Christmas, I was like, I don't really want anything. I just kind of want to make music. And like, my parents were like, are you sure? Cause like, that's all you're going to get. Cause like, it's, it, it's expensive. And I was like, yeah, uh, I, I want to start something new. Like, I don't really want to play sports anymore. And, um, so like I got it like the Christmas of 2013, I like got my beat pad and then, um, like the software came with it and everything. And like the stuff I was making was so bad. Like I didn't know how any of it worked. So I was just kind of like pressing buttons, like just putting stuff together. Like I was using snares as hi-hats and like hi-hats as snares and like there was no sense of rhythm. So, um, and then like, I was always like, I always had a very diverse taste in music to say, like, I guess I could say, because like, I mean, I grew up on like classic rock and like, um, oh, my neighbor, she was from Thailand and she was like always playing me like music that she would listen to when she was my age. And like, so there was like, like I had Thai music to my like, right, like right next to my house. Then I had classic rock in my house. And then my brother, he would just like, play whatever was on the radio in like the early 2000s so I had like 2000s like pop like influence me and then um when I got to like fifth grade I started to like branch off and like start listening to my own music and like experiment with what like not even experiment more so like test the waters with what I liked and um I stumbled upon oh wait no this was I was I was 13 so this was sixth grade yeah sixth grade no, I was fifth grade. All right. Yeah. See, I got my times mixed up. Um, so I like, I would like experiment with like, see what I liked and everything. And like, I found a Mac Miller song. It was, um, Kool-Aid and frozen pizza. And I was like, Oh, this is cool. And then I found out he was from Pittsburgh. I was like, Oh, he's from Pittsburgh. I could definitely do this. So like, I started to take myself more seriously and like my best friend, Jaden, who, um, 27 club, I brought him up earlier. He, um, he was making music. He was the great ahead of me and people would make fun of him the entire time. But he's like, just watch, I'm going to like, I'm going to do this. And he was like always very supportive and he always helped me through that. And like, he even like gave me ideas to like work on and like see what I could do with them after he was finished with like something. And so essentially it was like, let me see, I'm trying to think of how to word this. So like a lot of influences were like from my early life and like, I don't really think I ever had a genre influence me until like I like started to take music seriously. And so like I would say 
the main genre I like stuck with when I first started making music was like EDM. And then I was like, eh, you know, this isn't really my cup of tea. And then that's when I found Mac Miller and I was like, oh, dang. So, um, I was like, I could do something like this. And I was like, yeah, it's a white kid from Pittsburgh. Like that's me, whatever. So I like started like just watching a bunch of music videos, like from Mac Miller, um, Wiz Khalifa, cause he had black and yellow come out around that same time. Um, and then I was like just diving deep into like the hip hop scene and that's kind of what influenced me to keep making music. And that's when I like kind of settled, I was like, okay, I think I could definitely be like a, a, a hip hop producer. I could never rap cause I like never liked my voice. So I was like, I could just make the beats for the people. And it wasn't until I went to, um, my arts high school, my performing arts high school, where I was like, yeah, sure, I can make beats for rappers and stuff, but like, what if I mix them too? So it's like, I, there was just so much in my life that like has influenced the way I make music and like what I make. So I can't really say like one certain genre other than like hip hop and like the music I heard in my house influenced me. If you'd like, if I think that's like a good way to say it. I don't know. I just went on a really long tangent, but don't worry about it. We yeah. literally had to make it whole episode. Better than poker. We had to make a whole episode because I rambled on about an album I was making. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I would say Mac Miller is definitely one of the biggest influences as to why um, I started making the music that I make um, along with Jaden. I mean, like his music is like, completely like not skewed from what I make now but more so just like seeing him do what he did and like take all this criticism from like our same friends and now like seeing where he is now it's like it just pushes me to keep going even like when I wanted to quit music and then like going to arts high school I learned I could be do so much more than just make hip-hop beats and I, I came in contact with a lot of talented musicians like my best friend Connor and um like he plays guitar and he just started playing me like just some beach rock almost. And I was like, Oh, I could definitely do something with this. So like, yeah, I don't really want to say one certain genre influenced me. I would more so say like one certain artist slash friends influenced me to like branch out and like get me here where I am now. Yeah. Uh, I want to ask what yes. was, what was one of the hardest things to get over making music when I first started or just in general, just in general, what is the hardest like thing that's happened? That's made you genuinely question whether or not you want to keep going. Oh, Something sort of oh, like that. Ooh, I got a story for you. Ooh. All right. So it was my, um, my sophomore year of high school. It was like about to be the summer of me going into junior year. And I mean, I don't really want to talk about like past relationships. So I'm not like, I'm gonna you don't have to. have to. If you don't want to talk about something, you no, don't have to. No, it's not even that. It's like, I'm I'm fine with it. It's just like, I don't want to be like that guy. Um, yeah. But like, I'm going to have to like dip into it to like get to the where this story's going. So like essentially just like really bad relationship I was in for like four years, like up until my senior year of high school. And so like, she would always like yell at me for working on music. And I was like, well, this is what I like. This is my passion. Like, you can't tell me what I, I can do. And like, you can't yell at me for this. And she's like, Oh yeah, whatever. Your music's more important than me. So I was like, Oh, okay, cool. So I like, just like 
kind of just lost all motivation and I was just kind of numb to music. Like I didn't listen to music for an entire year. So like my junior year of high school, I didn't work <sighs> on music at all. And I was like, I don't think I could do this. Like I don't like doing this. So I started like getting into photography and videography and or cinematography, my bad. And so like, I just really focused on photography and um, cinematography um, my junior year of high school. And I was like, yeah, dude, I could definitely do this. He's like, and I was like, yeah, I don't like music really anymore. And then I was like, it was after my junior year of high school ended. So it was like literally an entire year and it was halfway through the summer. I tried to make something. I was like, this is awful. So then I had just worked a double at, at two different jobs. I worked open to or open to 3 p.m. at Panera Bread. Then I went from Panera Bread to this concert pavilion I worked at back home in Pennsylvania and worked there until 3 a.m. that night. And so I like got home. I was like, dude, I'm not even tired because I have to be up in three hours to go back to Panera. So I started working on something. And I found this like little guitar sample that I had saved from like the year before. And I started just like messing around. I was like, yeah, you know, I could do something with this, whatever. So I like get the idea down. And then I go back to it the next day after I got off work at Panera. I was like, oh my goodness, this is like something I could actually make good. So I flesh it out, get the entire thing done, export it. And that was like the first lo-fi song I put on Spotify. And I was like, yeah. And it, it took me like almost it would say probably like two months before I actually released it onto Spotify. Um, but I released it on SoundCloud two months early and I was like, yeah, no, I think I, like I got my music back. Like I feel like this is what I'm supposed to do. I don't know why I ever took a break. And like from there it was just go. And I'd like made an entire, my first uh, beat tape summertime in the forest in three weeks, I think it was, I had like 15 beats to choose from and I narrowed it down to like five or six. And I was like, yeah, this is what's going on Spotify. And then I was like, I always questioned why I questioned why I was still making music because when I made that beat tape, I was like, my creativity was heightened so much after working nonstop. I don't know how, because I was exhausted physically and mentally just from everything like that life was thrown at me. I was like, no, nah, like this is how I have to like get my emotions out. And that's when I realized like I need music in a, in a sense. Yeah, it's that's that's a good story, though. I and I, I'm thinking about it now like and I, I tried it like whenever you have someone like that, you know, like if you're like whenever you're in like a relationship with someone and you are doing something that you pat you're passionate about or something that you enjoy doing as like a pastime. Mm -hmm. And the person sits there and looks at you and says, well, you clearly care more about that than me. Yeah. That's just when you should just dump them right on the spot. And like, that's the thing. Like I was just so like emotionally manipulated and I was just like comfortable yeah. with that situation. So I was like, Oh no, whatever. It's whatever. And like it was, we were together three years at that point. So I was like, Hmm, <laughs> well, well, I mean, I'm, I'm glad that I'm glad that you came well, out of that because I oh, I've, I listened to your beat tape, the newest one you just did, and I really liked it. Thank oh, and like that's crazy you say that because I finished or I started that. Um, let me see. It was probably like almost a year, 
Yeah, because it was like a year long to make that. Um, I started that at like the lowest point in my life. And that was like right after that entire relationship ended. Like, and so like the first, the concept of this beat tape was, let me pull up the track list real quick. Um, so it starts out with, um, it's been two weeks since I've last slept. And when I made that beat, it had actually been like almost a month since I last slept. I literally slept like a half hour every four days. And I was just like so drained. It was awful. And then, so like the first half up until um, five day interlude is like my downfall essentially. Hence like all the sad names um, other than sweater freestyle. (laughs) But then like after five days, this was when I moved into my new apartment, which I'm in like right now. And like, I just started, like I worked on myself for like a solid five, like five days. (laughs) And I just started to like feel myself get better and be happy again. And like, I could actually like enjoy what I was doing and like enjoy making music again. And so like the whole second half after five days interlude is like the, like me rising back up from being at the lowest I've ever been. And like, that's why the outro is called life is good because like, I've like, I was looking at life like, oh, it's not that good, whatever, you know, I'm just sad. And then I like realized life is beautiful and like, you know, just love yourself. (laughs) That's why I threw that little Matt quote in there where he's like, you know, get some love in your life, whether it's like loving yourself or loving someone else, just get some love in your life because life is good. And, um, so yeah, it was, this whole beat tape was a very... I want to say spiritual journey in a way because um, I had a lot I wanted to get off my chest and I didn't know how I wanted to get it off my chest. So I kind of just worked on like I, some of the early works of that beat tape were started a year ago in Pittsburgh. And like, I remember working on some of them in my car, um, like on break in between Panera uh, in between my shifts at Panera in the concert pavilion. And there was one night when I was working at the concert pavilion, I had my laptop in my bag and like my backpack. And I just like whipped out my laptop and plugged it into my car radio. And I just started working on an idea. And, um, that one, the idea that came from that was, um, lost myself. Cause like I, had, I really didn't know who I was at that time. And yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. That you mentioned Mac Miller. Mac Miller was something one. He, oh, absolutely. That you was know, great I remember human. when I first heard about him dying, it was like shocking, you know. I remember exactly where I was too. So like I was getting ready to buy meet and greet tickets to see him. And really? I, was at, yeah. I was at the concert pavilion I worked at. And then I was like, Oh yeah, I'm about to buy because like his album came out on my birthday, swimming. And yeah. So I was like, word, you know, treat myself because I haven't, I've always wanted to see Mac. And like the first time I went to see Mac or like I had the opportunity to see Mac, I had meet and greet tickets and I was going with my best friend, Rachel from back home, but I got the flu the night before and I was like profusely vomiting. So I had to give her the tickets and like, she got to go to the concert. She didn't get, take the meet and greet. She sold them because she felt so bad. So God bless Rachel very much. Shout out relish. Um, but And I was like, oh, yeah, Tracy, that was my supervisor. I'm like, yeah, I'm about to just buy these meet and greets. 
Five minutes later, I walk out of the freezer. She's like, you didn't buy those meet and greets yet, did you? I'm like, no, why? And she's like, you're not going to want to do that. And I'm like, why? What happened? She's like, he died. I was like, what? And like, I remember just breaking down. Like I cried in like the middle of the kitchen I was working at. I went into the freezer and I was just like, I sat on an ice bag and I was like, this is, this can't be real. Because he was like one of the main reasons I started making music, if not the main reason I started making music. Yeah. I, I remember I was at school and- and that was that was something shocking because I hadn't really, I wasn't you know I listened to him yeah. you know, but I wouldn't say I was, you know you know like you listen to somebody a lot or not even a lot yeah. you listen to them and you enjoy their music but you don't call yourself a fan because you're not really super you know into the culture around them yeah and that's how, sort of how I was but when I found out he died it was just like it's tragic it was tragic it was, it was, it, that's when I realized that you know you got to live life. Exactly. You know, and that's being, like, you can't live life just yes. risking it all because you can lose it in a second. Exactly. You know? And like, that's why I also titled this one song on the album, uh, time. And then it goes right into life is good where I sampled Mac. Um, I remember making time because I was talking to, I can't remember who it was, but they were like, they were just going through it at the time. And I was like, just no time heals all. And like, I'm here for you. And they were like, that was beautiful. Thank you so much. And I was like, yeah, of course. Like, um, this is what homies do, man. And so, like, I made time and I sent it to them. I was like, hey, here, keep your head up, man. And they were like, dang, thank you, man. I really appreciate it. And then um, shortly after I made that, I, like, um, I almost lost, like, everything on my computer because, like, it crashed. And I was like, oh, great. Here we go. This is good. Just, like, Cause I've like lost so many like actual project files just to my computer crashing oh, for no reason. Dude. Don't get me started. <laughs> I, <laughs> was, I almost, <sighs> my sister, my older sister went through and she has this thing where she just, if she thinks that something's not important to her, mm -hmm. she'll go through and remove it. Yeah. Even though it's important to somebody else. She went through and wiped out our entire iCloud drive, including no. all of my music projects. And I, I thankfully was able to restore them. Yes. But that was, it's, it's not the nicest thing in the world when oh, you're almost about okay. to lose everything you've worked say, on. I was it's just pure anxiety in a file. And yeah. Oof. Yeah. But like, then I was on Twitter one day. No, it was Instagram. I don't have Twitter. I'm tweaking. But, um, what do you call it? Um, I was like just scrolling and it was like um, this, someone retweeted this and it was like, Mac is the most beautiful soul on this planet, even though he's no longer here. And I like click on that video and he's like, that's when he's like, what's up guys? Life is good. Get some light, love in your life. And I was like, this is, this is beautiful. And I was like, I had this idea of a song like already kind of fleshed out. And then I was like, you know, what if I just downloaded this and threw it into the song? And I did that and it, like life is good, the outro and it fit perfectly. I didn't have to warp any audio. Like I just did a small little fade in because obviously just like for clean purposes, like just like yeah. make it flow nice and smooth. And I was like, nah, this is, this is something special to me. And like, I like cried when I finished that piece of work. I was just like, dang, this is beautiful. And whew. I feel like, you know, when you get close to a musician like that, it becomes really, it feels like a piece of your soul's been taken. Oh out no, absolutely. Gone. And like, like being from Pittsburgh and seeing what he did and being like just some scrawny white dude from Pittsburgh who was Jewish, like it's crazy. And like, I remember when, like the week after he died, me and my best friend, Jaden, 
he's like, dude, I don't even think I can go to Blue Slide Park where the vigil was. And I was like, no, we have to. Like, we just got to get it out of our system. And so, um, like, you know, we drove up there. And, like, it was right in, like, the Jewish community he grew up in. And, like, I, like, you get up to where the blue slide was. There were just giant candles, the 40s that he had on the cover of, um, not not the cover, but he always, like, would rap about, like, Miller High Life 40s. And yeah. so, like, everyone had those. And, like, there was a sign. One said, pour, uh, pour this out for Mac. And then I was like, all right, yeah. So I, like, picked it up, poured one out. And, like, there were kids playing on the slide. They had no idea, like, obviously who Mac Miller was because they were, like, four. And so, like, obviously, it was just, like, seeing that pure enjoyment was, like, okay, you know, life is beautiful. Like, you know, just, like, that pure joy was so nice to see. But, like, me and Jaden looking at it, we were, like, dang, this is, like, one of our idols is gone. And I think, the like, the only time I ever really – the only time I ever really cried – over a musician's death wasn't by the death. So one of my favorite musicians was, um, ah, dang, his name's gone out of my mind. He made a song. It was like Robert S. Johnson. Mm -hmm. And he was this musician who he would, Daniel Johnston, sorry. His Mm -hmm. name was Daniel Johnston. And, he did, he was, he had a lot of mental illnesses and mm-hmm. he would write about it and you could hear it in his music and it was very amazing music. And I remember when he died last year mm-hmm. and it wasn't his death that, you know, made me start crying. It was then eventually the days afterward I looked and even though it was like, it, sh- it was just shocking to me how everything kept going on as normal. Exactly. Yeah. N- and nothing like, changed. Not, like, it's yeah. like the H- George Harrison quote, like, life flows within you and without you. Yes, you exactly. Know? Like, it was so, that's what made me start crying. It was because just looking at it, the world before he died and after he died, yeah, the people who were fans were sad, but aside from that, nothing changed. Yeah, nobody, like, gave it the time of yeah. day. And, and like, that was, that's yeah. just what scared me, you know. Mm-hmm, exactly. And like, granted, Mac was a very popular individual in all of the music scene. Um, yeah. He was a very, he started to diversify his work towards the end of it with um, the divine feminine and swimming even. Um, but like, there was like, there was something ever since like when he passed, there was something that like in Pittsburgh that was like never sat right again. Like, there was just a part of Pittsburgh was missing essentially. And like I, you could feel it every time you went to the city and like, that's what I didn't like about going to Pittsburgh anymore is because like Mac was gone and like, it felt like a part of the city had like left with him. And, um, I mean, I really want to go back to Pittsburgh just so I can, you know, just say one last like hoorah be like, yeah, you know, this is the city that raised me. Um, but like, it's hard because you know, I was like, I I love Mac. Like that was like my idol, and so like it's hard knowing. Obviously, he's been gone, and you know, but he's he's obviously he's in a better place now. So you know, yeah. can't can't dwell on the negatives. Got to be mm-hmm. positive and just you know, he's he's at rest. And like that's with anyone who's passed. 
Uh, so I wanted to ask, you told us earlier your lowest point mm-hmm. in music. So I wanted to ask, what was the highest point? Where were you, where do you feel was your creative musical like peak? Uh, this these past two almost not past three months actually, because I remember January. Um, it was right after um, I got off break, and I was like, I got into my apartment, whatever, and I was just like, you know what, I'm gonna make something, and I made, I ended up making like five five beats. And like two of which that made it on the beat tape, and um, just like from January, I like started to piece it together, and I would send it to my um, my homie Justice in Arizona. I was like, "How do you feel about this?" He's like, "I don't know. I think this order should change a little bit." And then I finally realized I should do starting at the lowest point and have it build up to like me being here now, and like. Um, my girlfriend at the, like, I wasn't even my girlfriend at the time. Um, like, I just started talking to her as a friend, just, like, through mutual friends. And we were talking about art and everything. And um, I was like, oh, I didn't know you did art, whatever. And she's like, yeah, let me show you some of my stuff. I was like, wow. Like, she was, like, mad talented. And I was like, I have this idea for a cover, like, art for this beat tape I'm working on. More so an album um, because it's, like, 20 songs. And she's like, oh, word. She's like, tell me your idea. And I, like, sent her a picture. And she's like, wow, this picture is, like, really nice. It was just, like, some picture my um, my friend Greta um, from back home took of me on, like, a disposable film camera. And I was like, yeah, I want, like, this, but I want it to be, like, drawn. And she's like, give me five minutes. And, like, I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, just take your time. So, like, five minutes goes by. She's like, I have an idea. And I was like, oh, really? And she's like, yeah. So, like, we're texting, whatever, and then within, like, an hour, like, she was just talking to me like she wasn't doing anything. She sends me a picture of the the cover art. I was like, what? I'm like, how did you do this? And she's like, yeah. She's like, I had an idea, and I ran with it. I'm like, this is exactly what I saw in my head. How did you make this happen? She's like, I just had the idea, whatever. And so I was like, how much do you want for it? And she's like, oh, no, it's on me. Like, you don't have to pay me. I'm like, are you sure? She's like, yeah, no, it's, it's my, my treat, whatever. So literally like two weeks later, I end up dating this girl and then like, I don't even know how, but like, and then today I woke up to like three messages. Um, some album I produced on comes out in a week. Didn't know about that. A remix I produced on, um, drops this Friday or this, yeah, this Friday, um, my friend Jaden and my homie Klepto, um, that I started working on music with when I got down here, um, they're about to start working on music. Um, Jaden even called me yesterday and was like, dude, your album is beautiful. Like you've grown so much and I'm so happy to see how far you've come and like how you've come out of like all of this, like, like just not fun time of your life. He's like, I'm so glad to see you finally happy. And like, I've just right now it's like my peak creativity i worked on a disco song last night and like it's not done yet but it's gonna be done and like this artist just messaged me today and he's like because i like put a little uh snippet of it on my uh my snapchat and he like slid up he's like yo this is crazy can i like get on this he's like i'll be like able to pay you whatever i'm like yeah of course man i'm like i have to get like flesh it out and get it all done and he's like, yeah, of course, man, take your time. Like, this is really great. Like, you're really talented. So, like, right now is, like, my peak creativity, and I'm so thankful for it. 
Sounds awesome. Yeah, I I just, I don't know how I got here, but I'm enjoying the ride. That's essentially what I'm doing right now. That's what it's all about. Um, I wanted to ask you another question. Yes. So like a lot of your music is sample-based, where Mm -hmm. do you usually find your samples? Um, That's a tough one. I really look for the public domain, just since it's in the public domain, I can't get attacked for it. Um, Right. And then, like, other times, I'll normally, like, play my own, like, chords out. Like, um, like I'll just, like, have an e-piano uh, VST pulled up, and I'll play some chords out. And then, like, I'll mess around with the pitch of it. Like, I'll move it up a few semitones, move it down, depending on, like, how I want it to sound. And um, then I'll, like, bounce that to audio and then chop what I played, like, the chords that I played into, like, a whole new melody. So, um it's really just dependent on what I'm going for. And sometimes I'll find samples on accident. Like um, for my song Groceries off of Beanie Boy, um, I was on FaceTime with my friend Greta. And I was like, Greta, don't talk for five minutes because she was on my laptop and I had my phone out because I was trying to sample something I heard. And I was like, just don't talk for five minutes. I need to sample this. And like halfway through, she screams, I'm making mac and cheese. And I was like, really? So like that led to groceries being made. I put it right before the drop. Excuse me. And yeah, I was like, wow, this shouldn't work, but it really works. And so, yeah, like it's really just, I sample life at this point, not even on purpose. It just kind of happens and like the public domain. So I can't get copyrighted. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, do you have a favorite sample website or anything? Mm, YouTube. Very nice. Just type in like public domain songs and like if you dig, like I I dug for like two hours one time. I made it's like the fiftieth page of YouTube, and oh. I yeah it was that was a time to say the least. That was a headache too, but yeah. And then like, but you but you found something good, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like um, I'm emotional was um, oh, I'm emotional off a of Beanie Boy. Um, that was. I think that was actually the sample when I hit like the 50th page of YouTube, I was like, oh, this is, this is something. And then I like clicked on that. I was like, well, I know what I'm doing with this right now. And like 10 minutes and the whole song was done. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you, do you have any like favorite VSTs and or plugins you like to use when you're making oh, music? Absolutely. I can pull them up in Ableton right now. Um, so RC20. Retro color, RC20 Retro Color by um, XLM Audio. Um, Isotope Vinyl. That's a cute. Classic. Yes. Oh, so good. Um, for mastering Ozone 8 Elements. I've got um, the same thing. Yes. Um, for my E piano or just pianos in general, I really, really like um, Lounge Lizard. It's by Applied Acoustic Sounds. Yeah. Um, like very good E piano sounds. They have a lot of great. Um, emulations and then I like to tweak the presets um addictive keys by xln audio um ah this is tough contact by native instruments clutch Another classic I, exactly I like a lot of native instrument stuff uh serum surprisingly like I didn't think I would use serum within lo-fi but I've found ways to go about using it like I'll use them for bass sounds sometimes um okay yeah. Do you put like do you put the retro color on that? Yeah, sometimes. It just depends on how I want slash need it to sound. So, yeah, of course. And then um 
Huh. Let me find it. And then uh, this plugin called Scalar, it's like really helped me ma not master, more so just like get melodies down. It's essentially like every single scale and chord known to man. And like I could just like go through it and I'll like, oh, let me see how this works. And then I'll like I'll play it and then I can like start inverting from the like inverting the chords from there. So it's definitely helped me teach myself how to play the piano. Um, and yeah, I would say those are definitely like my go-tos. And then, oh, the uh, virtual tape machines by Slate Digital. It adds a very nice warmth to the, uh, to the mix. That's nice. Yes. That's very nice. So if you had to, if you had to like, let's say use only one type of compressor, only one type of EQ, only one type of reverb, mm -hmm. only one type of each kind of effect Yes. on a song, which one would you choose? Let's just right. say it's just a standard lo-fi song yeah. like the, mo the ones you usually make. All right, so um, Ableton's EQ8, literally the greatest EQ I've ever used. It's, it's top tier compared to some of the other EQs I used it's um it's got an analyzer on it so you can see the frequencies that you need to like cut out or that you need to boost um right. it's it kind of reminds me of the uh parametric EQ2 from FL Studio but this one just like it gets the job done so well um so that's for All my right. EQ um compression I would have to go with um mm, that's tough either the slate virtual mix bus or virtual mix rack because they have a lot of vintage um uh compressors there that just like add nice crunch or warmth depending on what you are looking for nice. um reverb i actually just started using rc20 for reverb again the space like the so if like i pulled up rc20 there's like five or six knobs and the reverbs that they have on there are beautiful like i didn't think they would be that good but it like i ended up using a lot of those like that reverb or that part of the vst for my reverbs recently and i just i'm blown away at how good it is to be honest um ooh, delay like a very versatile yeah. plugin Oh, absolutely. I highly recommend it. And it's only like $30. I might be, and it goes on sale frequently. So you could get it for like 19. Um, okay. And then for delay replica by native instruments. Or have the, you uh, ever, um, I'm sorry. No, you're good. Uh, have you ever heard of, uh, <clears throat> all right, sorry. What, um, have you ever heard of, uh, Spitfire labs? Yes. Have, uh, what are you, have you ever used any of them? I've only used them on like my like other people's computers, like who I work on music with. But other than that, I've never like used them on my own. Me and Coker are big users of that. Yeah, I, I mention um, it just about everybody. <laughs> Austin can tell you it's like my it's, tradition. Anytime, anytime yeah, we like, bring up plugins, I have to mention Spitfire Labs at some point. Is that like? Is it like it's, a whole bundle, or is it like? It's like, like a, they come out of? every every certain period of time. They come out with a new via like sample pack to Ooh, use. Yeah, it's not really a sample. sample. They just did on. They just the released uh, trumpet fields, player. so it's trumpet noises. You know, Ooh. I was gonna but say, but like I'm it's one hundred percent free. 
You should definitely check out the soft piano preset. I think you'd yes, like it a lot. Those you Spitfire. would like that. Spitfire. Yeah, Labs. Spitfire Labs. Yeah. All right, sweet. I'm gonna bookmark that. Right and like now. it's VST, so it works with uh, FL or whichever one you want to use. Sweet. Um, I wanted to ask. So, what are your opinions on? Because I've I've talked to some people who do beats and stuff mm. uh, from other groups. So Jacob and Austin, you guys won't know any of these people. They mm. um they uh say that they don't really like the uh, whole lo-fi chill you know lo-fi beats 24 7 to study slash relax dude they don't really like it because they feel like it makes it it gives less attention towards the artist of the song that they're using how do you feel about those i think that's the opposite actually because it's like just like making lo-fi the past four years because it like i started making lo-fi oh no it's probably three years. Yeah, three years. So like three years ago, like I would just listen to lo-fi and I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's cool, whatever. And like it would bring me to like the original song because I was like, oh, what did, what sample? Like how did what did they sample? And like I would listen to the original song. I was like, wow, wait, this is beautiful. And so like it definitely like rounded my or shaped my music taste even more. And like I just like I was being constantly like Flood, flooded with new artists just listening to the lo-fi like 24 7 radio and um so like i really don't think it's i i don't think it's taking any credit away from the artist only for the sole fact that like it's the person's job to go dig and like if they think something's cool without this or like without the lo-fi part to it and you just want to listen to the actual song that they sampled it's all in the person essentially like you you like if you if you're interested in something, even if it's not lo-fi, like if you find something that catches your ear and you want to listen to it before they sampled it, like you'll go and go out of your way to sample or like to find the original song. Like, I is mean, that what you meant, Coker, or did you mean like the beat producer themselves? I meant more of like the beat producer, but <laughs> oh, either okay, okay. What I meant like, like a lot of them because a lot of them say that. While um, while a good portion of them will say like who the artist is, mm-hmm. and I, I I sort of have the argument like similar to yours where in, in a sense like radio is sort of the same way, yeah. just listening yes. to radio. Exactly but like they radio. they say that it because the people aren't because they're not being explained who made it before mm-hmm. they hear it. Similar to how radio does it, they aren't getting they aren't nearly as encouraged to listen to the original artist's music but if i i i believe personally that it's it, they usually ask before they let before they just they don't usually just steal your music and put it in with no credit you know yeah no exactly and like um shiloh dynasty is a huge example of that um it's this artist like nobody's ever seen the artist's face um, it's just, um, let me see what songs like Jocelyn Flores by XXX Tentacion. Um, yeah. and like all of those lo-fi beats with like the person singing with the guitar, that Shiloh dynasty. And like, they made that artist popular. Nobody knows if it's a guy or a girl because they don't show their face. So it's like they blew Shiloh dynasty up without even having them release me, like without even Shiloh releasing their own music. So like. Technically, yeah, it was just exactly singing on Vine. Exactly, that's exactly it. And like everybody knows Shiloh Dynasty, it's a household name. I thought Shiloh but, was dead though. 
I don't know. See, that's what people think, but like everybody thinks they're just in high. They're just in hiding because like they made their money. I wanted just dipped. I wanted to ask. um, Okay, so uh, I've heard some people in some rock groups that I'm in, and they think that come the twenty that the twenty twenties will be a year where. While it doesn't become a main stake like it used to be, rock will somewhat come back. Mm-hmm. What genres do you think will have will gain either gain or lose a huge presence in the pop, um, in the you know contemporary world mm-hmm. come tw- um, the, come through the decade regarding rock or just like music in just general? Just j- music in general. Um, I do agree. Rock is definitely going to make a huge comeback. Um, there's this artist I listen to. His name's Poor Stacy. He just dropped a song called Darkness like two days ago. And he's like a primarily a hip hop artist, but it was like a metal song. And like the people love it. And like there's a lot of artists nowadays doing like a, a punk rock, alternative rock sound and like mixing genres with it. Like my friend Jaden, he goes like 27 Club. He literally, that's how he started to become famous. Like, do you know the song Roxanne? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So he works with that artist, Arizona Zervas. And so Arizona found him through this song called um, Rehab, I think it was. And like the chorus is, it's just like a, a very alternative rock guitar. And it's like, she said, I got a drinking problem. I don't have a problem drinking right now. And Arizona like found it because the people like, the listeners love that. They love the alternative rock sound and like the pop rock sound. And he was like, yo, could I use this as like in a song and I'll give you credit. And Jaden's like, yeah, of course, man. And then he like did Jaden one even better and was like, I'm even going to put your verse in. So like you can get the recognition to know like that's your song and it's not mine. And so, yeah, exactly. And it was like really cool to see that entire process. And, um, but yeah, no pop, not pop rock. Um, but like punk rock, I feel is definitely coming back because you have artists like Girl in Red, uh, Current Joys, uh, Beach Bunny. Um, I can't think of some. Oh, Surf Curse, um, and Chon. Like, I mean, Chon's been around for a while, but like everybody's like, I've noticed that the people are starting to become more open with their music taste now. It's not so closeted like it was earlier in like 10, not even 10 years ago, four years ago, like people are starting to diversify their music taste. So I definitely think a lot of the rock genres are going to start coming back, including psychedelic rock. And like, I would love for that to happen. I, you have no idea. Yeah, dude. I want to ask, how do you, have you listened to Mac DeMarco? Yes, big fan of Mac DeMarco. I, yeah, okay. I figured you with how you were talking about it, you would have been a Mac yeah. DeMarco fan. I Salad feel like his days. stuff. I I sort of it interests me his whole his whole type because mm-hmm. unlike you know most people who get famous, he's famous, mm-hmm. but also not really. Yes, exactly. and, you know, in a sense, he's not like huge. He's not on billboards across the nation. You know, mm-hmm. he's not. Yeah playing to sold out coliseums but he's not unknown either he still gets like first class tickets yeah no, on exactly, planes from exactly. his label because of how popular he is which exactly. i feel like is almost the perfect mixture because mm-hmm. and you're almost a mix between subculture and pop culture exactly no that's exactly it like that he found a way to 
bring those two together in a way and the people love it and it's like tame impala also like that's more of the psychedelic rock obviously and like people love tame impala man like yeah it's, it gives them that sense of nostalgia that they never really experienced like they experienced because and that's why a lot of this pop rock or punk rock and like new age like punk rock alternative rock is becoming so popular is because us as a generation we are looking for the sense of nostalgia we never like went through there's a band and i feel like people are really you know i hate to sound like this but sleeping on them mm-hmm. is a, a group i feel like one thing one genre that's coming back is um and i guess i'm technically part of this whole thing mm-hmm. uh is retro rock Yes, some exactly. people call that where exactly. people are purposely not are trying to sound as it's not sort of like Mac Mac De, I can't speak for some reason Mac DeMarco. Mac DeMarco. It's not like Mac DeMarco where it sounds retro but it still sounds new as well. This is just straight up people trying sort of like me trying to make it. Uh, there's mm. so there's a group called The Whiffs that I really yeah. enjoy mm-hmm. and they're just straight up 70s power pop. Ooh. And they sound analog. They have the whole mono mixing going on, and it sounds just like something from that time period. Uh, one thing, though, is the vocals. You can always listen to those songs yeah. that try to sound that way, and with the way the vocals are mixed, you can tell that mm. it's new, but it's modern. Either yeah. way, and that's it's, how, that's how uh, Current Joys is. Like, it's, yeah, Current Joys is a definite contender. Not even contender. A definite. Um, I don't even know what to say. A definite, definite pioneer sort of thing. Not even, yeah, a pioneer essentially. So yeah, no, exactly. I know exactly what you mean. Like you mean, but like as soon as like the vocals come, it's like, oh yeah, this is modern. Yeah, and I think synthwave also had a lot to do with that, like that yeah. whole genre coming about. Because like, you just like the retro synth sounds of synthwave, um, and I feel like. I think my main issue with it coming back, and I guess I have the same problem too, is a lot of it is too generalized. Mm-hmm. Like with Synthwave, I see a lot of people marketing it as 80s music. And yeah, yes, exactly. it has a lot of those old synth sounds, but I don't think a, every song from the 1980s Use the like same that. use the same electronic drum kit that all those songs have. Yeah, no, exactly. a good portion of them were acoustic song were used acoustic drums, and mm-hmm, I always yeah. but I always hear that same you know preset eighties drum kit that you hear yeah in everything trying to it's sound eighties. Str- Strangers, uh, Stranger Things had a lot to do with like yes. synth wave becoming popular mm-hmm. again, and like, but you're right, like the generalization of that genre is definitely like. And I think that's one of my main problems with uh, when Greta Van Fleet came around Mm -hmm. uh, because I liked how they were trying to make bring back 70s blues Mm. rock and hard rock. But my problem was is that it was so such a generalized take of it to the point where every song they released sounded the same, basically. Yeah. And like and there was like very little variety. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Shout out Greta Van Fleet. I haven't listened to them in a while. So I might have to do that. No, they're not bad. It's just no, like I, I like yeah, them. They're good. Yeah, it's just, it's just like just I feel wild. like there's not enough variety in there. Though. Exactly. Exactly. I oh. have a question oh. for you. Um, yes, sir. So just kind of out of curiosity, uh, what would you say your percentage uh, when you're mixing 
are between your monitors or your headphones? Um, it just really def- depends on my environment. Like, um, 90% of the time, like, if I'm just out and about and I have my laptop on me, I'll have my headphones and I'll be able to finish an entire song and, like, mix and master it, like, right then and there. Um but then like I'll come home and test the mix just to make sure everything is sounding all right on my monitors. And so I would like to say it's 50, 50, but it's really a lot on my headphones, um, which surprises me because I used to swear by my monitors. And, um, so yeah, it would probably be like 65, 35. So like 65% headphones, 35%, um, monitors. But it used to be the complete opposite. It used to be 100% monitors. Gotcha. Yeah, so. Yeah. But, like, I've, like, I've, like, figured out how to, like, mix so it sounds good on monitors and, like, regular speakers in my headphones after, like, doing this for, like, the past three years. Like, doing, like, this certain type with these headphones for the past three years. So. Yeah. Yeah. I did the opposite. I did so, the I did the exact opposite. I started so, on headphones, and then now I do monitors completely. Yeah, I'm probably on my monitors like 95 percent of the time, just because I don't really have. Mm-hmm. Uh, did I say monitors? Headphones. Sorry, I don't really have proper mm-hmm. uh, monitors yet. So yeah. I only use the speakers I do have in my room as kind of like a oh, let's test it to see how it sounds. But exactly, uh, and like right. I used to use my car yeah. to test my mixes. Also, I do too. Ah, uh, um, yes, the the hallowed car test. Exactly. Time the greatest tradition. mix ever. Time honored tradition of all. I want to start taking my laptop in the car so I can mix while I'm in the car. Uh, for my I last CP, I didn't have my laptop yet, so I didn't do that for that. But in the future, you know, it might be a good way of uh, going up, going on about it. Yeah. I did that once, and so my and my the car that I was using had a surround had five by one surround sound in it. So I was not only able to do like a normal stereo mix, but I also was able to do a surround sound mix of one of my songs. I respect that. Um, that's cool. I had this I had this blown out speaker on my uh, my old car, and I was like, if it wasn't hitting a certain way or making a certain sound, I knew the mix wasn't ready. So like if it was like not making a sound or if it was making too much sound, I was like, all right, no, I have to go back and like tweak like the low end to this just a little bit. And so I'd like make my little tweak and then I'd put it back in and it was perfect. Like there's just this certain ringing of the speaker to where I knew the mix was perfect. So it's like you train your ear to it essentially. Exactly. That's interesting actually. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that is interesting. But like, you could trust your ears now. That's that's yeah, exactly. um, that's what the whole point of you being able to do a mix on your headphones mm-hmm. is. So, what would you say are some tips to be able to like train your ears to be trustworthy? If that makes sense. Um. Uh, ooh, that's a good one. Um. So essentially, just I constantly did it because like I was always on the go, just like in between classes and everything. And like, if I wanted to get something done, I would always have to rely on my headphones. Um, so like out of necessity. I, yeah, exactly. Just like out of necessity. I was like, okay, I have to know what sounds good on these and how yeah. it'll translate over to monitors. So I was kind of like, I forced myself to figure it out. And like, even like in between classes in high school, I was like, all right, yeah, I don't have any monitors. Obviously I can't wait till I get home. I just want to get this done. 
and like have the idea fleshed out. And so right. it was more so me like needing to learn what how to mix on these headphones and not just on monitors. So like what what helped you be able to do that then? Um just keep going with it honestly. I know that's like a very broad answer but like um and then I noticed on these K240s there's not a lot of low end because they're open back but yeah. um I I think just I go by the frequency of how the low end sounds in the mix after I mix the entire like beat or um or song that I'm working on so essentially like um I'll make sure my kick drum is cutting through my mix enough to where it's like it's kind of hitting hard in my sp in my uh headphones but then when i put the bass in it's it kind of like takes the kick away just barely and then when i translate it to monitors it sounds perfect so like essentially i mix the kick before the bass and like okay uh in my headphones that is let me clarify and um so like after the kick is mixed and i have it sounding like it's it's thumping in my headphones I'll add the bass and then I'll start to bring the bass level up just a little bit until I can like hear the kick and it's like cutting through and still thumping but it's not cutting through the eight or the uh, the bass entirely so like essentially you're bringing I want to say like the the bass is kind of almost overriding the kick in the mix but not quite so kind of like I just add a little bit more low end touch to the mix when I'm mixing in these and then when I translate it to monitors I'll be like okay this needs to go down just slightly like maybe one one db more and so it's like normally each time I do it I'm like spot on but it's just because yeah. I've been doing it for so long I just want to let yeah. the listeners know that if you're worried about how your mix sounds with your headphones or monitors or whatever there's a program mm -hmm. for you called reference four Oh, yes. Very good program. And that's the way to go about it. It basically kind of like, yeah. it makes it makes sure the um, the headphones you're using or speakers, whatever, they're giving you a, a nice flat response. So it's more consistent. You don't have to worry about uh, the way your headphones are compensating for sound. So uh, definitely look into it. It's a pretty cool program. Uh, I've used it. I'm pretty sure Austin's used it. So Yeah, I use it. I always use it when I'm finishing up the mix. Just to I don't make know sure how. that nothing's sticking out too bad. Yes. I don't know how I'm not deaf yet. <laughs> because <laughs> I, I have... Okay, so like, my headphones... I These are Audio-Technicas, by the way. I have them cranked up all the way max volume. And then not only that, but I have this program called Boom 3D. So it's boosted Ew. even further. Oh, wait. Boom, Boom 3D. That'd be cool. I had that on my old computer, bro. Oh. And so I have it boosted. This is only when I'm listening to music, not when I'm mixing. Mm -hmm. But like I have it boosted even further. And I just listen to music like on a daily occurrence. So just imagine that you're blasting your ears with that loud. Like I've taken off my headphones before and walked out the room and I can still hear the music coming out my headphones when I leave my room. Yeah. It's dude. that loud. You got to take I care mean, of yourself, man. Yeah, dude. Yeah, come Just because it doesn't affect Future you now, years. it doesn't mean it won't in a couple years. So you might want to be exactly. worried about that. You're going to start getting a ringing in your ears. You probably, dude, you probably I already, already got tinnitus, tinnitus medicine. I'm prepared. No, oh, I get tinnitus worse. medicine, huh? Yeah, I'm prepared. Oh, just wait. <laughs> just wait. 
prepared. <laughs> I'm pretty certain I have a little bit of tinnitus. I already know I do. <laughs> so, yeah. I went to the doctor like a week ago, and she told me my hearing was fine, which is crazy. I mean, they always tell me my hearing's fine, too, but, like... <laughs> Tinnitus know, doesn't lie. I was going to say, I know something. Something's not too Something's good. about to go wrong. Exactly. I hope not, though. I need my ears. Yeah, same. <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah, I was planning to make a career out of this. God, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, I kind of need those for this career. Was it, there's that video of that deaf girl who does music. Oh, like, what is I it? She'll, re- she'll record something, and then they'll ask, she'll ask them if it's on key, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, it is. And then she'll just do it, it record it like that. Like, it's crazy. Isn't that essentially what Beethoven did? Beethoven, no, Beethoven yeah, he had just started a rod. writing it by memory. Yeah, uh, not only that, true. but he had, um, late in his life, when his hearing was bad, he had a rod that was mounted onto his piano where he could bite down on the rod and he could hear it through the vibration. Because you can do that. Ooh, if you're deaf yeah, that's and cool. you bite down on a that's rod, true. the vibrations through your head can let you hear stuff more. So whenever he was writing on piano, that's how he would do it. Or harpsichord. I don't know what Beethoven did. Piano. You know what's ironic about that too? If uh, if Beethoven was in the modern world and that happened, he probably would not have been deaf because I, I heard what he had was pretty, it's curable now, you know? That is interesting. Um, Technological advances. The story goes that at the end of performing his ninth symphony, by that point he was completely deaf, so he just stood there facing the orchestra and the choir that had just performed this uh, 20-minute finale to the symphony. Mm -hmm. He could not hear the thunderous applause. One of the (sighs) choir members turned him around, and he was able to see that the crowd really liked it. Everybody loved it, yeah. What is it, um... I know, uh, I think that's funny though, how there's this whole stigma that you can't clap or do anything in appreciation when you're at a classical concert. Well, even not until though, the end. No, but I, no, but I mean like. But like back then, no, that was the rock music of the day. So. Yeah, back then exactly. there's like, there's letters of Mozart. There's letters that Mozart, of like where Mozart's sending his dad letters about how like how amazed how happy he is when like he would get to like the really big parts of the orchestra piece and people would start cheering and clapping and then now it's considered (laughs) so fancy that i've seen things where even when it's the ending people don't clap interesting yeah i was gonna say wait that's huh that's sort of why i don't really like christian contemporary music uh, because and i i know what's it um uh Ah, who's the guy? He's a jazz musician. He does basses. Him and I have the same opinion on Christian contemporary music, which is the main problem with it isn't what the lyrics are or isn't the anything to do with the actual composition or writing of it. It's to do with the fact that the musicians are basically told to not play not not to be showmen, basically. The, you can't play too loud. You can't play, you know, there's no flashy guitar solos or anything because it, you're you're not apparently you're not supposed to be doing that. And that's why that's why personally I don't like it and that's why a lot of people don't like it. What's that got to do with clapping? I'm talking about well because it's it's the same sort of thing. You have the whole classical music, you have the whole stigma that you can't 
clap or you know cheer during it and then with christian contemporary music you don't you have the whole stigma that you're not supposed to be up front when you're playing it about attitudes towards music austin you can the audience can but like (laughs) the musicians like i'm being serious the if you like you'll talk to drummers who played christian contemporary music and they'll tell you like if you played if you played something too flashy they would tell you to tone it down or they would pull you aside and replace you with some guy else because apparently you're being too flashy. Yeah. Because it's considered not holy mm. to play crazy, even though the music that they would play back in the Middle Ages was very flashy, to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <sighs> Middle but, Ages? Um, yeah, the, like, Catholic music and all that. I mean, the only real requirement for Catholic music or like back in the Middle Ages for that, was that you don't have a tritone in it. Or not tritone, sorry. You didn't have the uh, devil's note, as they called it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, what note was it? It's just a diminished fifth. It was That's diminished, it wasn't it? Diminished fifth, augmented fourth. Dang. That was the really only requirement. You can make it as flashy, as you know, powerful as you wanted to. It didn't matter, but now it's like... Oh, Jimmy, you played a bit too bluesy on that one. We're going to pull you aside and replace <laughs> you, you. A, you played a bit too bluesy, you said. Yeah. What is what is your guys' least favorite genre of music? I'll start off by saying uh, modern country music. Yeah, it's modern country. Like, I can get down with Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson. Yeah. Oh, man. My man, Waylon. But uh, I'd, I'd have to agree. Yeah. Country yeah. 2K is what they call it. Ooh. Yeah. Everything yeah. after Blake Shelton. <laughs> I guess I'm on the <laughs> same boat. Even eight, no, even 80s and 90s country music gets me in a whole thing where I don't want to listen to it. It's only like 50s, 60s, and 70s country music I actually enjoy. 80s and 90s is where it was in transition. True. Some of those aren't bad. Like, um, why Yoakum covered... Uh, Johnny Cash's song Ring of Fire and that one was pretty good Ring of Fire is so good that's one of my favorite songs ever yeah it, it's probably just the fact that I've been exposed to it so much and I've been forced to listen to it in car rides for many of my life <laughs> I'm sure it's the same thing <laughs> it for happens. Austin yeah what about you Jacob I'm on the same boat about the uh, about country music some rap these days I don't like either but I'm not too picky. I don't really like most mainstream rap music. Yeah, like radio rap, I can't stand. Um, I mean, other than, I mean, there's like other like, than other than yeah. the slight few that pop out that are more underground. Like, I just can't stand most modern like rap. Little Peep. Little Peep, yeah, I like Little Peep. Yeah, he did a lot for um the underground scene. Yeah. Um, same with Juice World, to be honest. And oh um, yeah, Juice. And uh, Lil Uzi did a lot for the underground. There's a lot. I can go on for days. Um, uh, do you guys know who Trevor Daniel is? The Trevor Daniel. Him. I was yeah, gonna. I, haven't I was gonna him. say. I was gonna say earlier. Actually, Machine Gun Kelly. We were talking about um, people just doing crossovers into punk rock. He did mm-hmm. a punk rock song where yeah. he actually just got to play guitar, and Travis Barker did the drums. Yes, Travis Barker. Doesn't um. Doesn't Lil Wayne play guitar? Yeah, he does. He has a whole rock album. 
Um, Travis Barker, he's actually doing a lot of work in the hip hop community right now. Yeah, he crazy. was, um, yeah. And he, um, there's this artist called Paris shadows. I think he did live drums on, or Travis Barker did live drums on like three of the songs off his debut EP from like 2017 question mark. And, um, it was like very, I don't want to say metal, but like kind of metal influenced mixed with hip hop and like trippy red was on that album, like over a very like heavy, heavy rock type beat. And it was that's, like, that's it was some genre. Oh, you keep going. No. Yeah. That's all I had to say. Oh, that's metals. One genre that's pretty close. To, and I hate to be like this, but like nineties, like nineties and like modern metal is like one genre. That's pretty close to country for me. I'm not even going to lie. Like, I don't dislike, I don't dislike all metal. I'm a huge Primus fan and they're like funk metal, but like in general, like new metal and all that. And like anything after like the eighties for me is just like, I can't, it's not that I dislike it as much as I like dislike country music. It's just that like, if I listen to it, I can only listen to it for like maybe one song and then I change it to something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It just has to be like, like, it depends on the mood for me. It depends on, I guess, just more of the environment you're in. Because I guess if you, I guess, you know, I hate country music because I was forced to listen to it for so long. But I assume if you weren't, if you were raised in an environment that was more towards metal, you'd probably like metal a bit more. I don't know. Yeah. And like, so being from Western Pennsylvania and um, I grew up like half hour outside of Pittsburgh and I lived in like, just like country, like just country land. So like, that's all people listen to. And like I, I just got sick of it, so like that's a reason why I don't really mess with country unless it's like Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson because it's just like those are just classics. Like, what do you um? How do you feel about? I want to ask. Uh, how do you? What is the? Uh, what, do you like any foreign language bands? Uh, craft work. Oh um, yes, dude. yes. Craft work is craft like my work. favorite. Um, that was one of the other reasons I started making music. I love. Um, what do you like? Uh, which what's your favorite album from them? Oh, that's tough. Uh, wait, let me pull it up. I know I this is pretty basic, but Autobahn's always. Autobahn's like, a classic. I know it's the basic one that everyone you know says they've heard, but like I, I don't care. I love Autobahn. <laughs> um, I do like Computer Love. Yes, um, that's another good one. That one's been sampled a whole lot. Yes, that's like the yes, most sampled has. one. Um. Oh, it's computer word <laughs> world. I can't read. Yeah. If you, uh, I want to ask now. Um, yes. What are your plans for the future? Future. Um, just keep making music, really. Um, Dude, he wasn't done talking about craftwork. No, that's really all I had to say. I promise. Um, but yeah, no, I remember listening to craftwork when I was like really young, probably like eight, and like that's one of the reasons. Another reason I started making music because I was like, oh yeah, I can do this. I'm not German, but I can do it. And so, <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think my goals for the future, um, just stay healthy, happy, um, keep pushing with music, working with working and building with new artists. Um, I definitely want to maybe write some more songs of my own in the future, just depending on the content I have or I write about. Um, and like, I just like want to write about my experiences essentially. And 
Um, so it's like whatever I experience, I'm going to try and start writing some songs about that. And, um, you know, just keep, just keep being with happy, lyrics? man. What lyrics? Yeah, with, yeah. Maybe with lyrics. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like with lyrics, like sweater freestyle, right. that was like the worst time of my life when I made that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, just like be, keep being healthy and happy. And, um, honestly, just keep making music and just trying to keep building with other artists and just get my name out there as much as I can. Do you have any plans to like, tr like using, like doing any other genres or do you want to stick to what you're doing right now? Oh, no, I definitely want to do more genres. That's like a huge, huge, um, goal of mine. Cause I want to get more back into my, not EDM, but more so. Oh yeah, EDM. I guess it could be called yeah, future bass to be specific, because I like I used to make a lot of future bass, and nice. um, that's kind of what inspired the drop on um, "Life Is Good." And I was like, yeah, let me just like I found like these old pa uh, chord patches that I made. I was like, yeah, let me see what I can do with these. And then I like played it. I was like, oh yeah, let's make them wobble. And so, like, I think I also want to like start bending genres together. Um, like mix lo-fi with some, with some future bass, if that's possible. So we're going to, I'm trying to just see what I can do to say that I don't, yeah, just trying to see what I can do and how I can do something different than what I've been doing. I, I wanted to ask this earlier. Uh, what are, what have you been listening to lately? Um, <laughs> sort ooh, of a silly question, but what have you no. been listening to? Um, all right, let me actually pull up my recents. So this has been like a really good month for music already, surprisingly, even and so early. Yeah. Um, I've been listening to Mac Miller, always, always in rotation, an album a day. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, 27 Club, shout out to homie Jaden. Um, Justice, that's this, um, my homie I work with in Arizona, um, Saya, shout out Saya. He just got posted on Lyrical Lemonade. Um, cool. Yeah, so that was huge for him. Uh, Trevor Daniel, he's doing a lot of great things. Um, let me see what else I have pulled up for my recent searches because I got a lot. Um, Soccer Mommy, that was like a very great artist I didn't mean to find. Uh, Corbin, formerly known as Spooky Black. Uh, this artist Krush, I'm gonna work with sometime soon, and then my homie Klepto Mags from South Carolina, and Dominic Fike. Dude, South, South Kakalaki gang. Yeah. <laughs> what part of South Carolina? I'm I'm from uh just north north just barely north of Charleston. All right. Do you know where Greenville is? Yeah, that's oh goodness, that's like three hours away from me. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. That, that's just I was where there like two weeks ago and he's uh Klepto's coming down to Orlando and we're gonna chop it up and work on some songs so um and then there was one more yeah no I think that's it uh so Mac 27 Club Saya Justice Klepto Dominic Fike Spooky Black and I had one more Trevor Daniel yeah. all right and in the classics. Yeah. All right. So shout outs to all those guys. Always. And gals and people. Um, so I was going to say like before we finished with the, uh, 
with the plans for the future mm-hmm. trope. So you just, you still want to stay freelance or do you ever want to get part of like a record label or what? Um, all right. Yeah. So that's one thing I've always been torn about. There's this, um, record label, um, that I've been looking at. It's just like a producer only record label called internet money. Um, people like to hate on them. Yeah. I was going to say, I I feel like I've talked. Yeah. So, um, people like to hate on them just because it's like, it's just another reason to, you know, be miserable which makes me upset, but like they've done a lot for the producer community and like the online producer community. So I'd like to just sign with them, um, as a producer slash songwriter. And, um, but at the same time I would like to stay independent and, you know, just be able to like keep everything I own. And like, even just being a psych signed as a producer under internet money, like they wouldn't own the beats I make. They just send them out to artists like so I could get placements and like have artists get on my beats like famous artists like uh, they recently like they did a lot of Trevor Daniels. Um, they were actually like they signed Trevor Daniel as an artist. They were he was his um, he uh, Trevor was Internet Money's first artist that they ever signed and like they made the song Falling. Um, so like he's blown up now because of that. Um uh, what else did they work on? They worked on a lot of, um, uh, what's his name? Ian Dior. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Ian Dior. Um, they're the reason Ian Dior's, uh, popular now. They found him when he had like 200 followers and now he's like selling out tours left and right. Um, so yeah, I would like to sign with them just so I could like honestly find new artists to build and grow like a whole new, like vein of music with. But at the same time, being independent, I will always be fine with being independent because I get to own all my stuff. Right. Well, that's great, man. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on the episode, Mr. Spastic. Thank you so uh, much for having me. I've had so much fun. Here's your offer to uh, replace Coker if you're interested. No, I could never do that to Coker. Thank you. He's a real homie. Next guest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Links to Spastic's uh, beat tape on Spotify and also his Instagram will be in the description below. Thank and, you so much. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you so much for watching. And I'm going to go eat a sandwich. Me too. I'm going to go I'm get starving. a burger. Bye. I got a chicken pot pie downstairs. Uh, waiting for bye, me. guys. Thank Bye-bye. you guys so much for having me. All right. Have a great day, everyone.